And now, live, it's time. Carr will go back into the gun. Jacobs cuts middle, walks in. Jackpot, baby. Josh Jacobs, touchdown. It's time for the JT the Brick Show. We have a good team. We have a good team that competes with uh, Seth all the time. On Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. We don't feel like effort's been an issue at all. It's the handoff. Bust toward the end. Jackpot, baby. Pinion Drake takes it home. Here's your host, JT the Brick. Welcome back, everybody. Hour number two on Raider Nation Radio. Happy New Year to you if you're heading out of town or getting back into town. It's been a lot of travel concerns around the country. Uh, Breaking news today. There's a lot of news on Carson Wentz. He went on COVID protocol. You would think he would be out of the game depending on the status of his COVID protocol. If he tested positive as unvaccinated, he'd, he'd be out for 10 days. But now there is a potential new rule change, according to Adam Schefter, that would take you from 10 days of isolation down to five, even if you're unvaccinated. So that could mean that Carson Wentz can clear and potentially play. So that is a very fluid situation. So we're not saying he's out, he's in. We're just going to follow the newsbreakers on this, from Jay Glazer to Adam Schefter to Mike Florio, and see what they have to say on this. And the Raiders got a beat. Who's ever in front of them on Sunday? And this has been a pretty good Colts team, but they got buried early in the season, and they fought their whole way to get back into this. And a lot of people think they're a very good team and a potential Super Bowl contender. They've been on the reboot of hard knocks from the midseason. If you have that, people have been watching this team come together and play at a very high level. They're a good team. I mean, when teams are full strength, Indy's better than the Raiders. They have a better offensive line, much better but they have COVID concerns. They have a better running back and MVP candidate in Jonathan Taylor. I think Carr is better than Wentz. I'd take him over Wentz, Carr, any day. And then the defense, I like the Raiders' pass rush. I like Indy's linebackers because they have Leonard as one of the best in the league. The secondaries are kind of similar. Colts play good in some games. Other games, they disappear. So, look, Indy deserves to be the favorite, but if they don't have Carson Wentz, I think that gives the Raiders more than a puncher's chance to win. And for the Raiders, they've been following the same rules as everybody else has been following. Last year, the Raiders got hammered financially with fines because of the Darren Waller charity event where some players, and this is early in COVID, showed up unmasked. There was a big fine. John Gruden had that face mask that came down a number of times. He got fined a ton of money. And now the Raiders are pretty much doing their thing. They've been clean for most of the year on COVID and just had a number of players show up, a number of players show up after the Cleveland game and after Denver left Vegas. So they got a couple of players on COVID, but they're all vaccinated. So you would believe that they would clear protocol and hopefully play on Sunday. But we don't know. We don't know what's going to happen. Some guys could still be testing positive. So this today is a show I'm not going to forget because Adam Chapter just reported that the union and the league are getting close to a new rule. CDC guidelines that would reduce the quarantine time to five days from 10 days for all players, including those who are unvaccinated. And that news breaks today when the king of the unvaccinated, Carson Wentz, probably should be in COVID jail. And we have Twitter jail, COVID jail, real jail. Well, this is just a player that if he decided not to get vaccinated and took that risk and then he failed the protocol, you can't change the rules before the Raider game. You can't because you didn't change the rules in week six, week nine, week 12, week 15. 
So how can you continue to change this? You change this to keep people safe. Now, this Omicron variant, it, it's less deadly, and these athletes are all healthy. They're, you know, None of them are really getting sick, as far as we can tell. But you had a set of rules. If you want to change the rules for the playoffs, I have no problem with that. If you want to get to the playoffs and change the rules, because there's a whole bunch of players now that have been eliminated, and they're going home to their families, you want to change the rules, I'm cool with that. But I don't think you should be changing it in week 17. If you think I'm wrong... Tell me why. I'd love to have the other side of the conversation. 702-365-9200 as we continue on here. And then the Holiday Bowl was just canceled, which is a bummer, because I lived in San Diego for eight years. And every year we went to the Holiday Bowl. And on my Facebook page, on my Facebook page the last couple of days, all of these memories were coming up with my kids when they were four or five years old at the Holiday Bowl. And my buddies who are red coat, those are the guys who put it together and this concerts. And we just had a lot of great memories when we lived there for the Holiday Bowl and going back every year. So UCLA was forced to pull out of the Holiday Bowl only hours before the game tonight against NC State in San Diego because of COVID problems in the Bruins program. The school announced this decision at 3.30 Eastern, 12.30 Pacific as the game is tonight. And all those fans in UCLA travels horribly true story they barely travel and they had a car ride maybe two hours to get there and they, they don't travel well but the fans from the opponent nc state took a trip of a lifetime get to go to a bowl game out in san diego hang out and enjoy it go to sea world do a couple of things so this is tough tough on a lot of fans and i'm hoping there's great news going forward for John Sassenti, our great friend here in Vegas, who puts on the Las Vegas Bowl. And my wife and sons are going tomorrow night as I'm working here. And I would hope and implore everybody to go to that game and get tickets and support what we do in Vegas here. It's really important to us at Lotus Broadcasting and everybody in town that you support that event. It's a big bowl game. We have the kickoff classic here next year with USC and LSU. More and more bowl games are going to be coming here, including college football, excuse me, college basketball, the Final Four and big events. We got the Super Bowl, uh, the elephant in the room. We have the Pro Bowl. We have the NFL Draft this year. And what's happening here is we're trying to get a vibe on what's going to happen with COVID and the numbers as they're all going to go up. The numbers are going to go through the roof here, statistically, in the next couple of weeks. But we got to see how it affects Vegas. And everybody else. So that's the top of the hour headlines. Uh, your opinion on anything we're talking about, and we'll get to everybody this segment. I promise you. John in Connecticut, you've been waiting the longest. Go ahead, John. JT, how you doing, brother? Good, John. Thank you. Thank you for taking my call, and thank you for spearheading Red Nation for us for the many years that you have. Let's talk strategy, please. Um, defensively, um, if Wentz is not the go, and again, it's fluid. I said we just put eight in the box. Let the rookie, Ellinger, whoever he is, beat us with the arm. That being said, the corners have to get off the blocks if they're going to do tosses and sweeps with uh, Taylor and, and get the tackles. Offensively, I'm with you. Carr, let's go into the hurry up. Get the quick lead. Get some points quick. Put them on their back heels. Maybe draw them out of their running game, their strength. And um, that's how I feel. And can I just mm-hmm. say one more thing real quick? Sure, whenever you want, yeah. I appreciate it. I just want to give a big Shields Up shout-out 
to Mike Mayock. I don't know if anybody's talking mm-hmm. about this, but with all, everything with COVID and the starters not playing and everything, I tell you, I think he's done an admirable job, admirable job getting some players in place so we can be competitive and be relevant in December. Players like um, Deshaun Jackson, Trufant. Trufant has been playing lights out. So that being said, a big shield's up to Mike mm-hmm. Mayock, and let's get that win. Yeah, I, I like I like that. Thank you for the call. Really appreciate it. I like that. The other day I was pretty disappointed with this show because I came on and said, hey, everybody, let's congratulate Rich Passaccia for sweeping the Broncos, and no one called in on it. Uh, that really disappointed me. I mean, you've got to give credit when credit's due because sports radio historically shreds people and rips people down when things don't happen right. So when things happen right, a, a great example, Josh Jacobs. We've been hard on Josh Jacobs this year. He hasn't had a good year. He had a great game against Denver, and we've been talking about it all week. Rich Passaccia swept the Denver Broncos, swept them. That's an important moment to be a Raider head coach and sweep a division rival. He beat Dallas where he coached forever on Thanksgiving. I mean, there's some nice accomplishments for Coach Passaccia, and I think he deserves a lot of credit here. And that's important because it's the balance of the show on saying, hey, certain days we change the narrative. You know, guys have been really, fans have been worked up for the last month since the Dallas game. And it looked like the Raiders were playing themselves out of the playoffs. Now they've played themselves into the playoffs, and we should be celebrating that, having a good time. Jay in Vegas, you're up next, Jay. Hit it. Go ahead. Thanks for taking my call, JT, and uh, I'm wishing you and your family a happy new year. Same to you. Uh, Yep, thanks, JT. Uh, so uh, the last caller kind of stole my thunder a little bit, but uh, I'm with you and like uh, the last caller uh, as it pertains to this game. I'm, I'm going with Carr, and the reason why I'm going with Carr is because um, I feel like the Colts don't have the secondary that the Browns and the Broncos had. Um, look, uh, yeah. the last two games, um, the last two games, uh, I looked at time of possession as a as, as a key. For the Raiders to, to win those games, and it and it was. I mean, that, that's you know, at the end of the game, they won that battle and they won those games. Um, but let's just be. I just we just got to be real. This, that's going to be the Colts' uh, game plan. They're going to want to win that time of possession, and they can execute that way better because Jonathan Taylor is just quite frankly, he's a better player than Josh Jacobs. But he's not so, supposed to be. Hold on, he's not supposed to be. You're right about that. And there were times where Tony Dorsett was better than Earl Campbell. There were times where, you know, other great running back, Earl Campbell played better than Franco, and then Franco was better than O.J., and O.J. was better than them all. You're suppo- when you're a great running back, you're supposed to have a game or two mixed in, 180 yards, 150, 129, what Josh just had. Josh is in the conversation, again, if he can match up against Jonathan Taylor, playing the same position, and have a monster game. That's why he was brought here, and that's the only reason he'll stay and get a contract extension if he can prove that he can run with the elite backs in this league. Absolutely, absolutely. It's just my problem with him is that, you know, and I'm a big Josh Jacobs fan, but my my problem with him is that he just, I can't trust him to do it again this, this, you know, coming up this weekend because he just barely showed it last game, and it took him that long to do it. And just, and, and, you know, and what what I'm looking for is for, the Raiders to actually pull the rug out from underneath the Colts. So they're going to want to win time of possession. So what needs to happen is Carr needs to open up the offense and build the lead early. I think he needs to – we need to go into the half with a two-possession lead. I think that will be I doubt that. I doubt that very much. And I 
appreciate your call. Excellent points here. The way the Raiders are playing in the slow starts, it's tough to think that the Raiders will have a two-possession lead on the road in Indy. But if Carson Wentz doesn't play and Derek Carr plays, that could happen. But I'm not going to sit here and say that the Raiders are going to change everything up. Remember when they ended the game? You were there if you were there. They ended the game on that passing play to Foster Moreau. The whole building thought they were going to run it and punt. A lot of people did. And they flipped the script, and Foster Moreau got behind the defense, made that catch, and it was perfect. Closed the game out. Let's just see more of that. The only complaint I had all year with this offense is really when they run it on second down. The only two complaints you could really have with a quarterback who's third in the league in passing, well over 4,000 yards, is that he checks down too often or that they run the ball on second down all the time. What else can you complain about? Waller gets a lot of targets. Moreau gets a ton of targets. You know, they try to get everybody involved. The only fair criticism that we've talked about all year is when they throw short of the third down marker. You know, third and 10 for the Raiders could be third and 50 because they don't throw to the marker often, and then they come up short and punt to a Pro Bowl punter and A.J. Cole. The only thing I'd like to see is you have to make a decision. Now, maybe you don't, but I have to because I'm hosting the show. we got to make a decision on what's going to be the game plan on the radio. <laughs> this is just fun. It's radio. Who cares, right? But I would rather go down with Carr than Jacobs. I think the Carr gives the Raiders a better chance to win. But I also, I dip the show in reality. I don't think the team now mentally and physically without Darren Waller, who we're waiting to see if he's available, and an offensive line that doesn't pass protect great, I think they're more comfortable with this Gruden playbook now that it's being controlled now by Greg Olson, who I think the world of as a human being and a coach. I think that they're more comfortable with the two tight end set, the fullback handing the ball off. Now you don't have a fullback, so Josh is by himself in the backfield, or Barber, which I like, and I think they're going to want to run it a lot. And if they want to run the ball and they win, I will throw a party. I will have a party here on Monday, and we'll be good with it. Who cares what I said? But that's the theme of this week. What is going to be the game plan, run or throw? And for everybody who says, well, we'd like a mix of it, JT, there was no mix. It's rarely a mix. Lately, they're not passing it at all. They can barely score points in the passing game, and the running game's coming on strong. So I understand the dilemma here on how difficult it is to figure out what they're going to do next. Passionate Raider checking in in Illinois. Go ahead. Thank you. What's up, JT? Yeah, man. I've been sitting here just thinking about this the whole time, you know, and when we go back and look at this, when we did, when we depend on Derek to have to come out and throw the ball all game long, it doesn't. It's not good, like you just said. The offensive line is not good at pass protecting. What I want to see, what I think this team needs to do, and what and when we win, this is what we do: is play as a team. I, it, we don't need Derek to throw the ball 33 times a game to to win a game. You know, and I kind of think that he's been feeling that way too, because he did say in his conference, "Well, I didn't have to get 300 yards." So we don't have to check that. Listen about that stat. I just think that the Raiders need to set the run up good enough for Derek to run the play action. He's the best play action quarterback in the NFL. They can run the ball first to second down, set up their play action just like they did last game, eliminate the turnovers. Derek eliminates the turnovers last game. We whooped that team last week. He eliminates the turnovers going against his Colts. Ball out quick, four or five yards, Jacobs running. Jake 
ain't like a broken record. He showed heart in that second half, man. He really came out and showed that he wanted that ball. Then three running backs go in there, play together. This offensive line makes some damn holes for Jacobs to hit, and he follows his blocks and doesn't get impatient. We will win that game in the Colts. And I don't care if Carson Wentz is on the field or off the field. I kind of want him on the field because he's not really that good. Make him one-dimensional, and he's one. He's a one-dimensional quarterback. All we got to do is rough him up, run this ball. We can slide into the playoffs, JT, with the COVID bug or whatever. LeBron got a ring in a bubble. So, hey, it is what it is. It's 2021. We got to roll with it. It is bull crap. Like you said, put it in the playoffs. How are you just going to make it? So all these other players that had to suffer and lose out, it just don't make no sense. But nothing makes sense today, JT. Yeah. But one thing I hope makes sense is the Raiders can slide up into this playoff and play defense at the right time and run the ball at the right time. And that's a, that's a recipe for success. Let's go. Have a good day. Thanks for taking my Yeah, time, that JT. is important, too, because you know what's important is you can adapt. In anything in life, you have to be able to adapt. The rules change. And what's happening now, I just got a text during the show, uh, non-Raider related, but someone pretty high up in the NFL. And again, when you get a text, I don't have to share this. I could share it like I am off the record. In this NFL season turning into an asterisk with mid-season rule changes and inconsistencies not enforced to all teams. Text to me. In this NFL season, which is turning into an asterisk with mid-season rule changes and inconsistencies not enforced to all teams. Yeah, pretty accurate. We don't know what the rules are. So as Coach Passaccia said yesterday when they were asking in the press conference, they were asking about who's going to play, what's going to happen, and he says they coach everybody like they're going to play. And that's a great soundbite by Coach Passaccia. So you got a practice practice squad player coming up. You bring in Dylan Stoner to play wide receiver. You tell the young man you're going to play. And then if they don't play, but they come into the preparation that they're going to play because of COVID protocols and all the injuries that the Raiders have, and when they're able to handle that, you know, everybody mentally believes they're all bought in that they're going to be playing in this game in Indy. And I don't know who's going to clear the COVID protocol but I'm obviously excited for this game. When the season started, I thought the Raiders would be in playoff contention at this game. I picked them to be 9-8, and eight, if you remember. If you don't, I picked the Raiders 9-8 and eight this year. They're currently 8-7. and seven. So I thought they would be close to being a playoff team. Now they're close to being a playoff team that has to win two more straight games. And if they do, they'll get the 10 wins. And they'll get in the playoffs. And they're playing a team that has heavy COVID and the quarterback could be out. So there's a lot of fluidity to this unless the NFL moves the game or comes up with this. And I understand CDC guidelines more than anybody you know on the radio because I take COVID seriously. So I read the newspaper and I watch TV. I know what the guidelines are and they just changed. The point is the NFL has changed games, paused games, and made moves for certain teams, and they didn't do it for other teams. They are furious. They are furious today. In New Orleans, New Orleans would have been moving that game back a day or two to get Taysom Hill or to get another quarterback up and ready to go instead of having to put in Ian Book and he looked like he never played JV football. That was the reason they lost the game. New Orleans just shut out Tom Brady, 9 nothing, shut him out. 
their team was ravaged with COVID. They followed all the rules, and now the rules might change tomorrow? That's not fair. Forget about the Raiders for a second. It's not fair for the rest of the league. Limon in Henderson, you're up next. Go ahead. Hey, JP, what's up, partner? How you doing, buddy? It's kind of funny, man. Listen, if you know we're in the middle of the pandemic and it's getting worse, if you think about it, the best thing instead of uh, the days of protocol be less, should be more, right? Yeah, no, I don't know about that. No, listen, I'll be right about this. My my rule about the protocol, Limon, has been the same. If you want to change it, you want to change it, change it for everybody except the unvaccinated. Don't change the airline rules or the restaurant rules. You want to change the rules, change the rules for the people that are vaccinated. The 200 million, 200 million in America, give them the ability of getting boosted in their shots to have certain rules. And the unvaccinated... Make them work harder if they're not contributing. So that's that's what I think about the NFL. You don't change the rules for Carson Wentz. You change the rules for the guys who are vaccinated and might be able to play a little bit earlier. Correct, correct. Like we were talking, you know, we were talking me and my friends about it, and I'm like, you know what? They're going to move the game to Thursday. We were thinking about it, but when they they start talking about it, and I heard it this morning, I was like, man, that's funny, man. This is what we need to do, though. Everybody's talking about car. I say Jacob. Jacob mm-hmm. is to remember that he can run at least 100 yards. Open up and, you know, make it happen. Even if uh, uh, Richards comes and, you know, push the touchdowns, it, I'm good with that. Uh, hopefully we get Waller back. Got to give a little more options to Carr. But who, we need somebody can push the ball. Uh, Mad Max, forget mm-hmm. about it. He's going to be all over. If it's Carson, if it's the coach, if he's the third, fifth, fourth, String, uh, man, it, it's just funny, man. Man, yeah. I just want to say, you know, go Raiders, man. Wish you happy year, man. Be talking to you. Thank you, and thanks to everybody who helped support our show this year. Getting these streaming numbers, explosive. Our partners, everybody. We like everybody who tunes into our whole lineup, and I appreciate you listening from noon to two Pacific time. When we come back, Paul Gutierrez will join us, courtesy of Sam and Ash, SamandAshInjuryLaw.com, because you deserve what's right. Paul's been tweeting a lot, and he's got a tweet from Mike Wells, who covers the Colts, a reporter. Looks like Wentz is out. I'm going to try to get some clarity for you with the Raiders beat writer for ESPN, Paul Gutierrez. He joins us next on Raider Nation Radio. Uh, we are. Obviously, it's, it's, it looks like it's been going through a bunch of teams throughout the league. You know, we haven't been exempt from it, what happened to us last week. And uh, we're certainly expecting things to happen as the week goes on. We're, the mentality we're going to have right now is everyone practices to play. You know, we went through it last week. I thought our guys did a, a nice job with preparing to play, regardless of whether they're on the show team or the team. And um, we'll, we'll go through practice this week with the same mentality. I'm sure we'll get more news as the day goes on and into tomorrow what some of our issues can be. Fantastic soundbite by Rich Basaccia, really talking about the mindset of this team. As everybody shows up every day to work, be prepared to play with COVID protocol and what's happening. Paul Gutierrez, kind enough to join us from ESPN. And Paul, this is a lot of breaking news today on Carson Wentz. Let's begin on how you heard this, your sources, and now Adam Schefter talking about 
maybe a new isolation rule from 10 to 5 days, even for unvaccinated players, and that would fit the status of Wentz. Yeah, yeah, JT, thanks for having me on. And, um, you know, it, it's strange that uh, the unvaxxed would actually, quote-unquote, benefit from this. And, it, you know, you, you hate to make it political or go anything like that. I mean, I'm kind of speaking from experience myself right now, sitting in isolation in a, the guest room at my uh, house because um, I came back with, with from Cleveland with the case, and I've been vaxxed and boosted. Um, tested positive on Thursday, and, you know, Fortunately for me, because of that, I believe it's it's more like a head cold. So I take it a little more personally when you see a lot of the people and the rules continually changing and the field goal posts being moved and things like that. So, you know, in, in getting back to your original question, it, it's it's surprising, but it's not at all shocking. Uh, you know, that game the Raiders played in Cleveland, Cleveland should have should have forfeited. Bottom line, right then and there, the game shouldn't have been moved because what in the end. What did they gain? What did the Browns gain out of it? All their stars still set out. The Raiders still got a win somehow, some way. Um, but remember, last Monday morning when the Raiders woke up in Cleveland, they had no players on the COVID list. Yesterday afternoon with all those defensive guys going on, they've now got 11. And uh, at least two riders, too. So, <laughs> But we're not the store here. It's the team. It's just strange. I've been really trying to keep in contact with, our, with my counterpart who covers the Colts. Uh, Mike Wells, and, and that was really the first I saw was when Schefter put it out and then Wells made sense of it. And the way Wells puts it, the way the guidelines and the protocols are now, he's out. He's out regardless uh, because it, it just kind of depends upon now if it does go to five days, goes down to five days, then that means you have to see, well, when did he actually test? Was it a PCR from yesterday? Did he test positive today? Because then you have to start looking at the calendars and figuring out those five days. Paul Gutierrez is our guest. That's what's interesting here. The elephant in the NFL room. There were three players that, you know, there were several unvaccinated players, but 95% of the league is vaccinated. So it's a dwindling number. And and those who weren't vaccinated at the start of the year, some of them got vaccinated. Unlike the situation, and we're keeping an eye on Kyrie Irving in the NBA, you know, people that it was Cole Beasley, Aaron Rodgers, and Carson Wentz, for me at least. Aaron Rodgers said he was immunized. And then we found out he wasn't vaccinated. Cole Beasley in Buffalo, I got a lot of friends there. They've been keeping me up to date on that. He wasn't available for the New England game. If they would have lost that game, they pretty much would be on the verge of elimination. So he's getting heat. And as you know, Paul, being in the AFC and covering the Raiders, a lot of people wondered out loud if this could happen to Carson Wentz, not only in Week 17, what happens if it happens Week 2 of the playoffs? Well, and that's, the question from the start, I mean, that, that was the question back during training camp when the first protocols came in, right, was if you're going to have players at premium positions, that's not saying that any person is more valuable or important than anybody else, mm-hmm. but at a more premium position, you're setting yourself up for this just in case, unless they're going to live in a bubble, you know, unless they're going to, you know, adhere to everything. And even then, <laughs> excuse me, there can still be the close contact uh, factor that could play in, which now, you, as I heard you say earlier, uh, there's still – questions as to whether he actually tested or or if he was just merely a close contact. You knew this was going to happen after Thanksgiving. You knew it was going to happen after the holidays, and here we are. And I go back, JT, you and I, we're, we're both old enough to remember that when the weekend after Christmas used to be the start of the wild card playoffs, and uh, mm-hmm. I kind of missed that because now with the season stretching so much further along and the Super Bowl now being the second weekend in February, that invites more things like this, just like, the World Series going into November invites snow outs. 
Absolutely. Paul Gutierrez is our guest. So the big topic today for me is Carr or Jacobs. If you had to choose, and you're covering the team on a different level, but if you had to look at this team where you think they'll go, we just found, finally found a Jacobs game that he could put up there and say, this is who I am. This is why I need to be here long term. I could get you about 130, and I could close the game out on the ground. Or Carr, who's third in the league in passing with 4,300 yards, possibly on his way, or I thought on his way to 5,000 yards, who do you go with? Because this team hasn't been balanced. They're anything but balanced. And I wonder what you're hearing from around the league on how the Raiders are going to try to win this game. Yeah, that was the hallmark of a John Gruden team, right, was balance. Um, and then when he left, they, they tried to figure it out. You saw a lot of different things we hadn't seen earlier. And then the offense went back to a lot of two steps forward, three steps back uh, situations. The thing with Derek, we know what he is. We know what he can do. We probably more importantly know what he cannot do and, 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 and the things of that nature. With Josh Jacobs, that, you know, and again, from watching that game, I wasn't at Allegiant Stadium and I didn't want to – Seemed like I was when I was tweeting during the game. I was, you know, in isolation in my guest bedroom. But there just seems something different about him from the first time he carried the ball. He he ran with more of a purpose. He ran more angry. And I know that that's, you know, you could say that about anybody. And it, and it just, you know, what does it really mean? But he just looked different. And I know early on he had like five touches for 20 yards in, in that lost fumble, you know, which harkened memories. Again, you and I are the same age, basically. Wendell Tyler being careless and just dropping the ball like a, a loaf of bread out there. But he, it seemed like it angered him even more. Um, he's made a lot of, you know, underhanded comments about the offensive line where, where you know, he curses and says, shoot, what, what do you guys want me to do when he's looking at tape and the line is not giving him any line, any openings whatsoever. Um, but the line seems like it, it, it figured itself out. Again, against Denver, but um, that is only going to give them confidence, and especially a key component of this offense is play action. And if you have no running game, you've got no play action. So I'd go with Paul John. Go- yeah, but Paul Gutierrez joins us. You know, the defensive line and the principles that Rod Marinelli has done, we know that in Gakway and Max are going to get to the quarterback here and there, but I really care about how they run tackle against Jonathan Taylor. What have you seen? With Max and Yannick, it's setting the edge. It's something Lincoln uh, Kennedy talks about often on the broadcast because if these guys are rushing, the quarterback and a running back gets an inside draw and gets to the outside, they could be gone. I think that's going to be critical in this game, especially the defensive tackles too. This goes back even before these guys, but I remember in covering this team, you heard them say it the most. It was the Tommy Kellys. It was the Richard Seymours. Just do your job. Just set the edge. Don't try to do too much. Just do what you're supposed to do. And you heard it again from, from Max two weeks ago. You heard it from Unique throughout the season. Just do your job. And you saw that against Denver. To, to limit them to, was it 18 yards, 16 yards on the ground? 18. I mean, yep. that's phenomenal. You know, that's phenomenal. And, you know, you're not facing, a, you know, an all-pro running back back there, but they're still pros and they can still do things. And especially the way that other teams have been able to gash the Raiders this year in the running game, that was impressive. Um, a big piece of that, in my opinion, was Denzel. the return of Denzel Perriman in the middle of that defense. Uh, you know, we heard Rich Versace refer to him as the energizer buddy because the way he's just always around making these tackles and everything. Him, along with five other defensive players being on the COVID list yesterday, uh, something to keep an eye on, obviously. But to me, he is the key because he gets everybody in the fits. He gets everybody in the right position uh, going forward. And then you look at it from another perspective. He had missed a couple games. Well, he was a little bit more fresh, too. 
Absolutely. Paul, great job as always. I know you're isolating, and it sounds like you're doing great. Best to your wife on the new year, your family, and we hope to see you real soon. I can't thank you enough for what you do with Coach Flores every other Tuesday coming on the show. It makes all the difference in the world to us. Thank you. I appreciate JT. And, yeah, when we were in Cleveland, I did go to Canton, and I did go pay my respects not only to Tom's bust, Seawood's bust, but every other Raider that was in there. I just haven't had a chance to put it on Instagram yet, but got all the Raiders that were there. You got it. Thank you. Appreciate it. There he is, Paul Gutierrez. And again, as he tested positive, and he's a good friend and a great reporter and insider and a big contributor to our show, and it sounds like he's going to do fine, and we'll see him back here soon. Ari Miroff's going to join us. He has a half a million followers on Twitter, and he's the guy who broke the story today, right with Adam Schefter, about Wentz being out. We'll talk to him coming up here on the other side. He's at Pro Football Focus. Interesting day today. There's a lot happening. Man, there is a lot happening in sports. Bowl games canceling, NBA in some serious protocol, and then the Carson Wentz breaking news. We'll see how it plays out by tonight. Carr is going to throw it, snaps it off, wide open, first down Moreau, deep into territory, he's at the Broncos, 35-yard line, way to go, they cross everybody up, they throw to Moreau on third down and two as we hit the two-minute warning. Great play call by Greg Olson, the entire offensive coaching staff executed by Foster Moreau and Derek Carr, JT back with you. Ari Miroff joins us. He's a great newsbreaker uh, for Pro Football Focus. Ari, we have a few minutes. want to get you in. When you first heard of Wentz being out, what was your thoughts on how this affects not only the Raider game coming up, but the rest of the season for the Colts? Yeah, you know, this is a bit a bit wild because, you know, the entire year the Colts have been in a situation where they know that they have their starting quarterback who created a first-round pick for who is unvaccinated. And based off those rules, they know that if anything happens over the course of a week, he could end up on the COVID list and he more than likely will end up missing a game. And it ends up happening during the week where they have a pivotal game against the Las Vegas Raiders, a team that is 8-7, and seven, the Colts are 9-6. And, and if Wentz tested positive, he would be out 10 days and will miss this game. So they're in a bit of a tough situation right now because their backup quarterback is a rookie, Sam Allinger, out of Texas, who has no starting experience in the regular season, so he is in line now to start this game against the Raiders unless the Colts do something dramatic. I know some people are talking about Phillip Rivers possibly coming back. No idea if that is true at this point in time, but you know, point being right now, the Colts are in this playoff race. They have a big game here coming up in Week 17, and they more than likely will not have their franchise quarterback for this game. So some big news, and the Colts are still dealing with some other COVID news as well, and so are the Raiders. So COVID is obviously... I know a lot of people have COVID fatigue already with all this stuff, but it's going to be a big factor here for the rest of the year. Ari, the big thing is is that everybody should know the difference between unvaccinated and vaccinating players and returning protocol. And it's amazing that not everybody does, but that's the issue with Cole Beasley, the issue with Carson Wentz, and those who had all year to get vaccinated and chose not to and rolled the dice here. There are plenty of unvaccinated people, and depending on where everybody stands on this topic, you're right, there is COVID fatigue on this topic, but the bigger issue becomes, 
if you have a chance to make the playoffs and you're unvaccinated, you've had weeks, months to get vaccinated knowing that you could be the loose cannon, the player that takes a team down. Now, I'm not saying that's going to happen with Wentz. Colts are very good. They got Jonathan Taylor. They could still win the game. But Wentz put his team in this position where he can't test negative and come back in time for this game on Sunday. I mean, that's exactly right. And there are multiple teams who really went into the season knowing that their starting quarterbacks are unvaccinated and knowing that this is a real possibility that could happen at any point in time during the regular season. I mean, look at Minnesota with Kirk Cousins. He's another guy. Minnesota has a little bit of a COVID situation right now. Their, their backup quarterback tested positive. I know that Kirk Cousins has said that he'll do everything in his, everything that's possible to stay out of everything, you know, put plexiglass around them, whatever it is. But the reality is that anything could happen, and when you're unvaccinated, the NFL made some really strict rules, and if you are deemed a close contact, you're automatically out five days no matter what. Even if you test negative for three or four straight days, they want you out for five days. So, you know, all these guys who are unvaccinated are in a bit of a tough situation, and considering the Omicron variant, considering how so many people are getting it right now, I mean, there are a bunch of teams who have key players who are who are currently unvaccinated. And with that being said, if any of those guys end up testing positive, with these current protocols the NFL currently has, they are more than likely to end up missing a game. And considering now that we are week 17 getting close to the playoffs, that could, of course, be massive down the stretch here as we are close to playoff time. Ari Mirov is our guest. My sports update. What a following he has on social media for breaking news and pro football focus. What did you think of Tua's performance? Uh, the lack of deep throws. He made one big one down the sidelines. Some of the gadget plays that they had in this game. And tell me about your analysis on how they feast on the bad teams during the seven victories and get beat by the good teams. What does that tell you with their tough remaining schedule? I mean, the Dolphins have been just fascinating all year. Of course, they start 1-7. and seven, But even look at the team that they lost to during, during that seven-game losing streak. Like, they lost to the Jaguars. They lost to the Falcons. Like, they had some really bad losses there. And, like, I was hearing at the time that there was, you know, some chatter about will Brian Flores survive this? Will Chris Greer survive this? I mean, they had so much cap space a couple of years ago. They had three first-round picks a couple of years ago. And a bunch of those guys haven't really worked out. And now all of a sudden they turn it around and they've won seven in a row. Tua has been playing serviceable quarterback. Obviously, he hasn't been um, – you know, the star quarterback that people hoped that he would be when he was drafted number five overall, but he's done just enough for this team to go on a seven-game winning streak, to be the number seven seed in the AFC playoff picture right now. But, you know, you look at their schedule, Tennessee and New England to end the year, the thing that really is important to mention is the fact that, you know, the team that they've played up until now, really, those aren't, you know, the most competitive teams, right? It's Houston with Tyrod Taylor, it's the Jets with Joe Flacco, Zach Wilson, the Panthers, Cam Newton, and P.J. Walker. The Giants with Mike Lennon. The Saints, of course, last night with Ian Buck. The only impressive win really was the Baltimore game against Lamar Jackson and the Ravens, which, of course, we know how many injuries that team has had this year, and they're not even in the playoff picture right now. So, really, these next two weeks will be critical to see what they end up doing. But for me, the bigger picture for me is just seeing how this team, which has struggled so much earlier in the year, where there were times where people were thinking about will – the coaching staff actually survive all of this for them to actually turn this around for the locker room to have such a togetherness. I mean, if you watch, if you just watch the post game press conference and for some of these players, these guys are really have, have really come together, have really turned it all around. And that's been impressive on its own. So we'll see how they do these next two weeks. It'll be a challenge for them, but 
you really have to commend the job that they've done there in the locker room and how they've put this all together. All right, Mirov is our guest NFL insider for Pro Football Focus. So with the AFC playoffs really up in the air on the Carson Wentz news and what happens with Tua, what do you think of the AFC North where still the Browns, after losing back-to-back games to the Raiders and the Packers still have a path if they win out and get help? I don't recall, I really don't recall the AFC North ever being anything like this. I mean, truly, the fact that the NFL has division games in these final weeks is tremendous because it proves that you got to finish off, you got to earn it through your division. Everybody's got a chance, but I'm going to lean heavy to the Bengals. How about you? Yeah, I mean, what the Bengals have done here, you know, it's amazing because, you know, at the end of last year, there were a lot of Bengals fans who really were calling for Zach Taylor to be fired, to move on from him. They decided to hold on to him, and, you know, you look at what this team has built, they don't really have an official GM. Duke Tobin is the guy who's really making all the decisions over there. And, you know, they've made some, you know, really good picks. There, you look at that offense, I mean, everybody is just so young from Burrow and Mixon to Boyd to Chase to Higgins. That team has been amazing. And really, the other thing for me is really the offensive line has really held up there. You know, there's obviously a lot of talk in the draft about, you know, taking Sewell or Chase and then going to Chase. And a lot of people criticize that pick. Chase has obviously been great. The connection with Burrow has just continued from what they did at LSU. And then, you know, they're obviously now 9-6 and on top of the division. But really, the other thing about the AFC North that really is interesting to me is that Obviously, the Steelers this year, it's more than likely going to be Ben Roethlisberger's last year. But you look at that team, and they're 7-7-1. And and just that tie is so interesting right now because they have two divisional games to end the year, right? They have the Ravens and the Browns coming up here on Sunday night. They've been in both those teams this year. They always play competitively against those teams. If they could somehow just win those two games, that tie against the Lions can end up playing a big factor in the AFC playoff picture. So I'm very curious to see how that all plays out there. Obviously, Roethlisberger hasn't been great. The offensive line has been very shaky with five new starters. But Mike Tomlin, over the course of his career in Pittsburgh, has never had a losing season. They obviously have had some really bad losses this year, but they somehow find a way to always bounce back. I'm kind of just curious to see how the Steelers end up doing over these next two weeks and see how Mike Tomlin gets these guys ready for the rest of the year. Yeah, I love the fact that teams are really playing for their lives at this point. We're talking to Ari Mirov, great insider. My Sports Updates is the follow. My Sports Updates, you have to follow him. Again, with breaking news and what's happened earlier today and the news of the NFL and the playoffs. Uh, What do you think of New England now? I mean, if you have the Jaguars on your schedule, Ari, it's great. If you have the Jags on your schedule down the stretch, it's an automatic win. And a couple of teams have that here with the games remaining. The Patriots look like they did enough work earlier in the season to get ahead of Buffalo to sneak in as one of these wild cards. Yeah, and you mentioned the Jaguars. The Colts are the other team that has them on their schedule, and that obviously is going to come in pretty big now for them. But, yeah, as for the Patriots, you know, they were on such a roll this year, right? They beat, you know, the Falcons game on Thursday night 25 nothing, destroyed the Browns, I believe it was like 45-7. Um, Patriots over Titans, I believe they also blew them out, right? And you have that snow game, uh, that, that windy game against Buffalo on Monday night, and they just, you know, run the ball like crazy and it ends up working and ends up winning that game. And everyone is all over New England's number one team in the AFC. It kind of feels like them having a week 14 bye kind of slowed them down a little bit, slowed the momentum. And Matt Jones actually admitted that after that Saturday game against the Colts. And he was like, you know, it felt like we just didn't have the juice and the energy that we had earlier this season. We just didn't have it. And then they go into, 
this weekend's game against the Bills and Josh Allen just throwing rifles out there. And for the first time in Bill Belichick's history, they had a game where the other the opponent never punted at all throughout the game. So, you know, it's a team that really did so well throughout the year to start this year, had an amazing streak during the middle course of the year, but they've kind of slowed down. But the one thing that I've learned and all of us have learned is that you really can never doubt Bill Belichick. And, you know, they have this game against the Jaguars this week. We all know what's going on there. It's a, it's a bounce-back game for them. Let's get back into a rhythm, and then they obviously end up in the playoffs. And as I said, you can really never doubt Bill Belichick and what he can do. So they've had a tremendous year. Mac Jones falling to them at number 15. A lot of people really didn't know what to expect there, and he's been obviously phenomenal. Um, the likely offensive rookie of the year. So you have these next two games, Jaguars and Dolphins, and from there we'll see what happens. Hey, Ari, right, tell everybody your backstory and how you got associated with Pro Football Focus and built your brand and your social media following. I think we'd all be interested to hear your story. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, I, I was always uh, an avid NFL fan, and um, I was always very into really just the news aspect of the NFL. And I was the type of guy who would always, you know, track every report, every really anything that was relevant information that was important i would literally be on top of everything and it was really in 2013 where i was like you know there's no place where the average fan could actually who you know the average fan who who's working or goes to school or whatever it is who could keep track of everything that goes on around the nfl right so like you would have to follow a bunch of different places and my idea was like let me start a twitter page where i would just try to post everything that's notable and relevant that the average fan needs to know and i'll just you know post it there so i, I started a twitter account just called it my sports out they made up a name and you know for the first two three years i was doing exactly that just posting notable information and really there wasn't much engagement during those first two years there's not many people really seeing what was going on but i enjoyed doing it and over time you know the account started to grow many people in the media and players and people around the league started following and that's when i realized i might have something here so you know, I, I kept on learning more and more about the inner workings of the NFL, how all these teams operate behind the scenes. It's all fascinating stuff. I was doing this all alone. No one really knew who I was, but I enjoyed it. I loved the sport, and this was really like my side hustle at the time. I, I was doing really um, real estate as my main hustle, football was to the side. And then, you know, a few years later, you know, it, it really got to a point where it really blew up. A lot of people were really using the account as their main source to get their NFL news. And just this past year, PFF Pro Football Focus reached out to me and they were like, we want to start our own news division. You know, we've always been all about data and analytics and numbers, but we want to have someone who can take care of all the news. And that was just right up my alley. So uh, we were able to work something out. As a result of that, I was able to drop the real estate. Now I'm doing football full time. I'm solely focused on, you know, the news element, breaking news, trying to be the breaking news guy, basically. And, um, that's kind of the, the short story of how this all happened. It, it's been a wild ride, a crazy story, but um, I'm grateful for it every single day. Outstanding. It was a perfect day to get you on. And with all the news and everything that's happening, the perfect day because so many people missed the ball on Carson Wentz. I'm here in Vegas with the Raiders. I got to do a local show and a national show that I always do, as you know, and I'm sitting here going, oh, my God, Adam Schefter already has this. Who else has it? And I just started watching radio on TV and following other Twitter pages, and they didn't have it. 
I'm like, what the hell are people doing today? Are people on vacation? Are they skiing? What are they? Are they at the gym? You can't miss a story like this, especially from a gambling perspective. So perfect timing. Congratulations on the career and the move and all that. And we'll do it again soon. Really appreciate your time, my friend. For sure. I appreciate JT. Let's do this again next time. Anytime. Ari Mirov. Appreciate it, Ari. You know, I couldn't believe it today that people didn't have the Wentz news. If you looked around on TV or radio, there should have been flashing, breaking news, breaking news. Carson Wentz in protocol, and people just missed it. They couldn't unload the teleprompter and reset the teleprompter, I guess. How do you have a national sports radio network or host a live radio show and not break into your coverage? Maybe the consultants can do a blog on that. All right, that's it. What a show today. Bobby had a lot of work to do to kind of change what we had planned and get everybody in, and we did. Thanks to Jeff Sherman, Paul Gutierrez, Tom Flores, Ari, who just joined us. Busy show, and I don't know what we're going to do tomorrow yet because I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. So I know I'm going to have a big show tonight on Sirius XM 82 at 7 to 10 Pacific. Let's hope everything goes great here in the next 24 hours for the Las Vegas Bowl, which I expect it will. And we'll be back with a big week of radio coming up here. Thanks for listening, everybody.